Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Wheeland Presley Funeral Home and Crematory have been serving Quad City families and veterans since 1889. Wheeland Presley Funeral Homes are located in Rock Island, Milan, and Reynolds, and are proud supporters of WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. A new person will represent the Illinois Quad Cities in Congress next year. I'm John Marks from the Dispatch in the Rock Island Argus, and I'll talk with a Republican candidate next on the cities. The new 17th Congressional District in Western Illinois will have a new representative, veteran lawmaker Sherry Bustos, is stepping down after a decade in Congress. That's not the only change in the 17th. The district itself is different and redrawn, with the Quad Cities now joining Rockford, Peoria, and even part of Bloomington Normal. I sat down with attorney Esther Joy King, the Republican who ran for the seat two years ago against Representative Bustos. We talked about her campaign and the issues that will impact the Illinois 17th. Ms. King, for just a moment, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what motivated you to take this step for a second time. Yeah, well, I, it's truly an honor to run for United States Congress and to do it again is just a demonstration of the momentum and the excitement yeah. around our campaign. A little bit about who I am. So I'm the daughter of Christian missionary parents. Yep. And you can imagine with parents like that, first of all, it's not the most lucrative career you've ever uh, dreamt of. No. So we were actually homeless when I was first born, and I grew up the first three years of my life. We lived in a back, the back of a school bus that my dad had bought and built bunk beds in. And even in that situation, mom and dad said, you know, it's our job and responsibility to give back to people even more disadvantaged than us. So we moved to Mexico when I was three, and I spent my childhood watching my parents and being a part of them starting churches and schools and just serving people. and. They instilled in me, Esther, if there's something wrong in the world, sure. step up, make a difference, do whatever you can. So that's kind of led through my whole career. It's, it's a theme in the steps I've chosen to take. From my first job out of undergrad, I went to Kabul, yep. Afghanistan to be an aid worker there and worked on women's rights in Afghanistan, which was life-changing for me. And it, that inspired me to become a lawyer. So I went to law school in Chicago at Northwestern University yep. School of Law and then joined the United States Army as a JAG officer. So I'm a captain in the Army JAG Corps, and um, I'm honored to be a third generation military Thank service. You for your service. Yeah, it's, it's truly an honor to carry that legacy and to serve our country. And through the stories of my father and grandfathers, I learned, you know, America, it's a pretty great country, and it's worth fighting for. So stepped up to run for Congress, and we're still here. Take that, that momentum statement a, mm -hmm. a little step further, would you please? No one had come as close as, as you did last time uh, to, to Ms. Bustos, um, did that fuel you even more? 
Or did someone say, hey, look, you've built enough momentum, let's go forward, or did you just say, hey, it's my time? You know, coming off of the momentum and excitement from election night and just knowing how close we sure. came while being outspent by $5 million last election, it was certainly a David versus Goliath narrative. Yep. And so I just never lost the fire. I just kept, I said, even as early as election night 2020, I said, we're going to do this again. We're going to fight this fight and continue sure. uh, to work to bring good representation here to the Quad Cities and to our community. I'm upset today the Dow is down 700. Mm -hmm. um, it's off 3,000 points in the last 18 months. Um, inflation is rampant. Yeah. Um, I looked at my, when I filled my gas tank this morning, I, I took a deep sigh and didn't know what to do. Um, can you talk to me how you can, you'll work to, yeah. to A, stem inflation, get things back on track, and, and give the average Joe a, a, yeah. a, an opportunity in life? Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying, Johnny, you're not alone. <laughs> My absolutely favorite campaign activity is knocking on doors because I get to meet people in a really personal, sure. intimate way on their front porch. And so I ask people all the time, what matters to you? And time and time again, 10 times out of 10, they're saying, Esther, we can barely fill our gas tanks yep. and afford it. And so especially here in this area, we're, we're just regular Americans. And w this inflation, this cost of living increase that we're all suffering through, it's really affecting our communities here. So. You asked me, like, what can we do to yep. make a difference? I believe it starts with fiscal responsibility, bringing accountability to Washington, D.C., reining in some of the astronomical spending bills that have been mm -hmm. uh, passed, and even just yesterday, by... We'll get to that, yes. Yeah, executive order. Biden spent what originally was estimated to be $3 billion in forgiving student yep. loan debt. Now it's there's some projections today after some math was done that it could be as much as a trillion dollars in spending. So just decision after decision after decision is irresponsible financial spending from Washington, sure. D.C. We've got to rein that in. And that's what this campaign is all about. It's about getting back to fiscal responsibility, working to fight for our community so that we have a voice and we can say enough is enough and get back on track towards an economy that works for us. What made you settle in the Quad Cities? Uh, you mentioned this morning that you yeah. had breakfast at a, at, a, at a haunt we all know of, but uh, you had to set down some routes yeah. to, to make, this, make this run. I yeah, I came to the Quad Cities through the arsenal. So okay. I'm a JAG officer, yep. a captain in the Army JAG Corps, and I love this community. So being here through the military, I just chose to make it home, and I switched into the Army Reserve. And so now I'm continuing to serve in the military sure. while running for Congress. Um, and it's, it's the honor of a lifetime. I get to serve my country in one capacity and then to step up again and not just to serve my country but also to fight for us, our community, is pretty extraordinary. Ms. King, Rovers Ro Ro Wade is, mm -hmm. is a hot-button topic at, at every turn. There's uh, things that, that chip off from yeah. uh, what's, what went on, what transpired statewide. Where do you stand? And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where do we go from here? Yeah. So I'm unapologetically pro-life, and I, I do support the decision that the Supreme Court made to return the decision to the states. And it's closer to the people. So our voice matters more in these decisions, and it's going to be an ongoing conversation at the state level. Here in Illinois, we have some of the most extreme laws on abortion in the country. We support uh, partial birth abortion up to the moment of birth here in Illinois. We have laws that say a young girl, as young as 13, can get an abortion without parental notification. You know, there's polling that shows that Americans don't support this. 80% of Americans do support limitations sure. and restrictions on abortion. And so it's going to be an ongoing conversation at the state level. 
However, when I'm out talking to people, like I just mentioned earlier, people are really suffering right now. The cost of living that people are yep. dealing with. I talked to a mom recently, and she, she said, Esther, right now, I have to check my bank account balance before I can go grocery shopping to find out what I can buy to feed my kids. Can't have that. It's not, it's not what America's meant to be, right? And we've got to get back to, from, we've got to shift from a point where we're barely surviving sure. and get back to boldly succeeding. I think I know the answer to this question, but I, I, I want to ask it. The, the seat that you're uh, in, in chasing is long been uh, military friendly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, it, will that, A, will that continue, and B, um, in this district there are several military bases that are vital to our local economy, uh, our people, and, uh, and it extends beyond the Quad mm -hmm. Cities, your stance on continuing that relationship, both as uh, honoring veterans and military personnel and, uh, and the local bases that we serve. Yeah, thank you for, for highlighting that because it is so critical to our economy in our city here. The, the Rock Island Arsenal is a jewel of our city. It brings people from all over and I am so excited because I'm trained and I have the background to be able to jump in and, and fight for our, our city at a sophisticated level and make sure that we're getting the funding that we need for the arsenal. And that's true of there's the Air National Guard in Peoria and all across the district. Good point. And we have a huge population of veterans and, and people who have served. And so to, to be able to be one of us sure. and to stand up for us is truly important and, and uh, a piece of who I am that I'm honored to bring to the table in this, in this fight for bringing better representation to our community. How difficult will that fight be to make sure that the arsenal stays in place, Savannah stays in place, uh, we'll use Peoria as well. It, yeah. is that, what does that horizon look like? Yeah, it's continual vigilance. So okay. on the budgeting process that happens in, in Washington, sure. D.C., making sure I'm at the table in the conversations with, with a sophisticated level of knowledge to be able to realize, okay, that budget line needs to stay. And, sure. and that's really critical to make sure that we're supporting the arsenal and uh, bringing, bringing back support for our military community here in the Quad Cities. And I have that. I'm a, not only am I a trained JAG officer, my expertise in the JAG Corps is fiscal law. And the, the ins and outs of fiscal law is fighting for financial responsibility within the executive branch and with, with the appropriations that Congress gives us. So I already understand the dynamic from one side of the equation on the, on the Army side and on the military side. And so I'll be able to bring that experience to bear and fight for our communities and make sure that we're not just supported, but sure. we're thriving from the congressional side. Let's take that another step, taxes, mm -hmm. off the charts. Uh, I, I complain every day, like everybody else uh, uh, in the country, you understand tax law mm -hmm. maybe a little bit better than most, but uh, every time I complain, I'm happy with my uh, great schools and my mm -hmm. city services. How do we stem that tide and maintain that, that balance of, of, of proper tax and equity and annuity? Uh, where do we go from here? Yeah, well, you're exactly right that Right now, the federal government is burdensome on just regular Americans. And we just saw an increase with the inflation, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that is predicted to increase inflation and hurt regular people. Uh, they've passed an increase on tax. If you remember, they also funded the IRS for 87,000 extra IRS agents. Many of them, get this, many of them armed. We do not need an IRS that is going to be uh, almost double in size sure. than it currently is, which would be a combined 
if you combine the Pentagon and our border security and a couple other executive agencies, the IRS will soon be bigger than all of those agencies combined. And you know who they're going to be coming after? The middle class. And so we've got to be able to roll that back and take the burden off the shoulders of just regular people who right now are barely able to fill their gas tanks. That's what we're fighting for in this campaign. Is this more about just paying our fair share than paying more than, is there, is there a happy medium to make sure, do you have a plan to make sure it, it just stays at our fair share? There's certainly, can, we can address making sure, sure. That, that people are paying, yes, okay. their fair share of taxes. Making sure that people are, who have the responsibility to pay taxes, whether it's at the corporate level, businesses, right. or at the like rich people who yep. need to make sure to pay their fair share of taxes, absolutely. Gotcha. And um, there's, then we've got to make sure that people who, who aren't, that we aren't overburdened at, gotcha. at middle class and lower levels of Understand. income. Um, and I think it, we also need to look at the fiscal responsibility side. How is the federal government overspending? We've got to roll in that bloated uh, spending from our federal government. They're just drunk sailors right now. Just <laughs> Sorry for laughing, but you said, you said spending in government. Yeah, so. they're just throwing money everywhere. Sure. Like um, There's no consequences to bloating our economy. But the people that are paying the price are right here in our communities. And again, every single day on the campaign trail, whether it's knocking on doors or at a pancake breakfast for a local <laughs> fire department or wherever I am talking with sure. people, people are really suffering right now. And so bringing back fiscal responsibility to Washington, D.C. is going to be the starting line for helping get our economy back on track so we can bring these Good prices point. down, get our, get, shift our economy again from, from um, shrinking sure. to growing. Infrastructure. And then uh, I'm going to preface that with roads, bridges, et cetera, mm -hmm. and then later, high-speed rail as, yeah. as the, the end of it. Your thoughts on, on the high-speed rail at the end. Um, I love our new bridge. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm taken with it, but I don't like driving down the road and, and having to buy new shocks every 15 minutes. Right. Thoughts? Infrastructure is critical for us here across sure. the Quad Cities, and just because we have such a huge advantage being right smack in the middle of the country. Economically, it is we are the the veins of of the United States of America. They flow right through us. Whether it's rail, the river. I just sat down with the soybean association <laughs> a few days ago, and I've sat down with the farm bureaus and talking about how critical in the Mississippi River is. It's the lifeblood of our of our okay. agricultural community here in this area, and making sure that we're not just uh, maintaining, but we're building on and increasing and, and overhauling the locks and dam systems on the river and making sure that, like you said, we're fixing the roads so that, that we have a beautiful community that people want to move to and that they, they're attracted to come live in this wonderful, wonderful community of the Quad Cities. I, okay. Go ahead, finish. No, I just, Please. it's, it is, You're so it emphatic is, about I'm it, so yeah. excited about it, yeah. Um, but to me, it, it's a representation of how can I be a champion for our communities sure. and highlight the assets that we have and build on that. I understand the dedication to your party. I understand the steps that, must, that you take and what you represent. Can you work across the aisle, Ms. Kang? Absolutely. So what I'm finding right now in, in talking, well, first of all, it's critical for, for example, the ag community. Yep. The farm bill is <laughs> the very first bill that will be up in 2023. Yes. And it has to be a bipartisan bill to make sure that we are, we are supporting our food 
food is bipartisan, right? <laughs> All of us like to eat. And so to make sure that we're, we're building a bipartisan bill that will pass the House with plenty of support, that's critical. And I'm going to bring my skills to bear as an attorney, being sure. a trained negotiator in that regard, uh, to be able to, t to talk with people and, and build commonalities. But when I'm out and about talking with people right now, I don't just talk to Republicans. I talk to independents. I love talking with Democrats. You know why? Because we have so much in common. We agree on so much. Right now, the issues, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, they're all coming our way. Whether it's Democrats who are upset that their party has left them behind, they've gone so far to the defund the police, a Green New Deal, all this stuff that is just so left and progressive, that regular Democrats who have voted blue in the past, yeah. even like union laborers, for example, they're coming our way because they're like, we don't believe this stuff. Independents who are just upset about the state of the party, they're saying, Esther, we believe in you. We can't wait to vote for you because you are someone that is willing to listen and be not tell us what we should care about, but ask us, what do you care about? And so it is, it is an honor to be a part of this because we have so many people, Democrats, Republicans, and independents with us. You struck a chord when you mentioned farmer. Mm. Uh, my grandfather was a farmer. Talk about tax fairness for, mm -hmm. for them, biofuel opportunities for them, and trade. Any, any thoughts in that yeah. area? Yeah, it is going to be critical to make sure that we have a thriving agricultural community. And it is my honor to sit down on a daily basis with farmers and ask them. Right now, they're struggling with an increased cost of inputs. Yesterday, I was just talking to one of my friend, farmer friends from Henry County. He said, Esther, just I filled up my biodiesel tank last yep. night, and I just I could barely afford it. Like My jaw hit the ground on how expensive it was. And these are all the inputs that are going into harvest, that are going into sure. next season. And when we, when we see the increase in cost at the front end of the supply chain, imagine what's coming. How expensive food is going to get a year from now, six months from now. There, it's going to be tough. And so it is critical that we have a, a voice that's fighting for farmers. And um, I'm honored to have a strong ag advisory committee. Uh, people that are telling me on a daily basis, they invite me to their, my background, of course, is legal sure. and yep. military, but I work hard to make sure I'm educated. So I've done everything from vaccinating cows to <laughs> sitting in combines to make sure that I'm sure. learning Understand. and understanding the ag industry to be able to be a champion for agriculture. One word, immigration. And you understand it, you, mm -hmm. you saw it firsthand. Where do you stand? Yeah. So I grew up right on the border yep. in, in Juarez, Mexico. I saw what was happening to the people who were Ill illegally immigrating and how harmful it was to them. Right now, the drug cartels are controlling our southern border. The crisis at our southern border is a humanitarian crisis. Okay. And it's coming up and it's affecting our communities here in the Midwest, here in, in Quad Cities and the counties surrounding through the fentanyl that's throwing, flowing into our country across the open southern sure. border right now. So right now, talking with like sheriffs and law enforcement, yep. It particularly affects smaller rural communities because when someone overdoses on fentanyl, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows them. I talked with a mom recently from a small town. Healthy young high school age daughter had stepped through the boards on their front porch and broke her leg. And someone just trying to be helpful because she was in great pain gave her a pill. That pill happened to be laced with fentanyl. One pill, this mom went from having a healthy teenage daughter to a dead daughter in just three days. And that's the crisis that is, that's how it's affecting us right sure. here in the Midwest, is the fentanyl and the drug crisis that's flowing across our, our southern border. We've got, to, we've got to start by securing the border 
so that we stop the southern sure. the humanitarian crisis, stop the drug crisis, and then overhaul our immigration process. My sister fell in love with and, and married an illegal immigrant from Mexico, and they said, you know, we want to do this right. So he turned okay. himself in, got deported, okay. and I had a front row experience with Whoa. my sister just seeing how hard it was for him to come back to the United States legally and how overburdensome our legal immigration process is. So I want to take that personal life experience and bring it to bear in helping create a process that is accessible gotcha. for people who are going to contribute and they're going to be great members of our community, but let's invite them here to this country legally. The right way. Um, for just a moment, and I want to talk foreign policy in just a mm -hmm. second, but um, term limits. I struggle with career politicians. Yeah. Uh, I look around there everywhere uh, on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Thoughts? I've signed a term limit pledge. <laughs> any, any, how long? Uh, I think it's an eight-year pledge. Okay, good. That, then that would mm -hmm. be, you're, it's a job interview every four years. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on that? What made yeah. you take that step? Well, just like you said, uh, we, we're seeing right now in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., the effects of having an octogenarian president. And leadership in the House of Representatives with Nancy Pelosi, who has been there for over half of a century. And the, the out of touch nature of what's going on in Washington, D.C. Yep. is dramatic. And we've got to, we've got to get Washington, D.C. back on track to serve people. I believe that we need to trust people to live their lives. Put our trust what? in people to, to thrive and to pursue uh, flourishing for their communities and to give back. And, and it's not the government's job to tell us, we know better than you, do it our way. It's the government's job to say, how can we serve you? Did you go to bed hungry as a child? And, I, and yeah. it'll preface my next question. Yeah, I did. Okay. And, and I can't tell you that I really knew because my parents did a good job. Sure. There were days where all we had to eat for dinner was ice cream. And I thought it was fun. <laughs> we well, life's good. <laughs> um, but yes, it was. Okay. It was Here's hard my time. question: um, There are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, spent on you getting elected, mm -hmm. uh, your opponent being elected, for a job that pays one hundred and seventy-four thousand mm -hmm. dollars a year, as you all know well. Um, but in this state, you're, there are young people going to bed hungry at night. Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you balance that to know that here's all this money being raised? And here we have an opportunity, and there's somebody that doesn't have enough to eat tonight. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. Oh, you're asking some heavy questions, Johnny. So I believe it's my responsibility to do everything I can possibly do to, to make the world a better place. Like, I have been gifted and blessed with whether it's skills or people I've met or sure. opportunities I've been gifted. Uh, I believe, and it, a lot of it does go to my faith, that I, sure. I believe it's my responsibility to live out uh, a love that God has for people yep. and demonstrate that. And whatever I can do to serve and be part of the community and mentor kids. I've been involved with local uh, organizations here in the Quad Cities to yep. do that and to, to care about people. Uh, and so is it the government's job? I don't believe it is. Okay. I believe it's our job. And the government can certainly provide safety nets and support people sure. when needed. But the community, when the community is thriving and the community is yeah. caring for its members, the government doesn't have to step up. It's certainly there to fill the gaps when needed. But when you have a community that is giving back and as engaged as possible, then the, gov the federal Good government can, can do its Good job point. of national security and infrastructure and things like that. Uh, and just provide the stopgap for people that truly need it. But it's our job. If and when you're elected, 
what will you do the first thing? What's your first order of business? The farm bill. <laughs> no, no, my, my yeah. late grandfather would, would, would admire you. So no, that, that important to, mm -hmm. to this state, okay. Swearing, is on, swearing in is on January 3rd and we start work on the farm bill. bill. Well, the work is already ongoing right now. I'm meeting with the farm bureaus, I'm talking with, with people for policy inputs and we're, we're drafting that bill January 4th like to work, start working on it. General statement, uh, only two years, three years, excuse me, in the last 30 mm -hmm. that there's been someone of your party who's mm -hmm. represented uh, uh, the 17th. Is it time? It is. And what you're uh, I know that's pointing, a broad like, question. Yeah, but when, what you're touching on is an indication of the corruption of the state of Illinois. So okay. uh, this part of the state is a very rural red part of the state. There's a lot of people here who are conservative. And even the Democrats in this area, they're not the far left right. liberal Democrats. Uh, they are, when you get to know them, they're pretty, they, sure. they are faithful, they usually go to church on the weekends, they hunt, <laughs> they're sportsmen, yes. uh, so they have a lot of commonalities, like we all have a lot of commonalities sure. here in this community. We're not divided uh, like we see at the national level here at the local level. And so what has been done in Springfield, in the state of Illinois, is Democrats have said, for the sake of power, we're going to gerrymander just so we can get a Democrat elected. And so time and time again, we've seen how the Springfield Democrats have tried to shape this district to always have a Democrat sitting in this seat. And you're right, before it's flipped, because we are, we're, we're part of Illinois that knows we deserve better representation. And so it has, okay. people have been able to flip it in the past. This time around, uh, when I ran against Sherry Bustos yep. in 2020, I came within just a few percentage points while being outspent by so much money. And we almost won. And the Democrats in Springfield said, we're going to gerrymander it to try and keep it safe Democrat. But in, in that effort, they underestimated the movement that's happening here in the northern, the central, and the sure. western part of the state. People are mad. We're mad about the, the establishment thinking that they know better than us. Like parents have been upset for the last two years based on the lockdowns. And they, they know that their kids <laughs> suffered. We are, we're barely touching on the surface of what kids are going to be going through and the mental health concerns that they had from the lockdowns and the, yep. shut, the school shutdowns that we went through the last two years. And uh, business owners who many lost their businesses over the last couple of years because, and it particularly hurts here in the Quad Cities because we can look across to Iowa and see, see open, it see it flourishing. Our thanks to Esther Joy King, the Republican candidate for the 17th Congressional District in Illinois. King will face Democrat Eric Sorensen in November. Our interview with him aired a week ago. I'll have a program note in a moment. But first, here's Laura Adams, Out and About. This is Out and About for September 16th through 22nd. The Great River Quilt Show takes place at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds the 16th and 17th. And the Mississippi Valley Blues Festival take over LeClaire Park in Davenport the 16th and 17th. RME's Live at Five host Flash in the Pan on the 16th and the Jordan Danielson Band on the 23rd. While the Riversance Festival of Fine Art takes place in Lindsay Park on the 17th and 18th. Autumn Fest in DeWitt takes place on the 16th and 17th with music, a car show, vendors and so much more. Veterans Memorial Park is the location for NAMI walks on the 17th at 8 a.m. Or join the annual Taming of the Slough Adventure Triathlon on September 18th from 7.30 to 2. 
The Butterworth Center hosts their porch party on the 18th from noon to 5, and then a performance by Sun Monarakas on the 20th at 3. Weisenheimer Long Form Comedy returns to the Black Box Theater on the 16th at 7.30. Tom Foolery on Tremont present the comedy of Matt Ruby at the Renwick Mansion on the 18th at 7. Schwiebert Park present Thursday Night Groove with Phyllis and the Sharks on the 22nd. The Atlas String Quartet perform at Wallenberg Hall at Augustana College on the 18th at 2 as a part of the Out of Darkness Holocaust Messages for Today initiative. Circuit 21 continues Clue, the musical. For more information, visit wqpt.org. WQPT is scheduling interviews in the coming weeks with all four candidates running for the two congressional seats directly impacting the cities. I've talked with Esther Joy King and Eric Sorensen, the candidates running in the Illinois 17th Congressional District. Jim hopes to talk with Iowa 1st District Congressional Candidate Christina Bohannon and incumbent Marionette Miller-Meeks in the weeks ahead. I'm John Marks, and as Jim always says, on the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities. Wheeland Presley Funeral Home and Crematory have been serving Quad City families and veterans since 1889. Wheeland Presley Funeral Homes are located in Rock Island, Milan, and Reynolds, and are proud supporters of WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.